Section 69 of The Poems of Jonathan Swift, Volume 1, by Jonathan Swift. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Journal of a Modern Lady, in a Letter to a Person of Quality, 1728. Sir, t'was a most unfriendly part, in you who ought to know my heart, are well acquainted with my zeal for all the female commonweal. How could it come into your mind to pitch on me of all mankind? against the sex to write a satyr, and brand me for a woman-hater, on me who think them all so fair, they rival Venus to a hair, their virtues never ceased to sing, since first I learned to tune a string, methinks I hear the ladies cry, will he his character belie, must never our misfortunes end, and have we lost our only friend, ah, lovely nymphs, remove your fears, no more let fall those precious tears the hound be hunted by the hare then i turn rebel to the fair twas you engaged me first to write then gave the subject out of spite the journal of a modern dame is by my promise what you claim my word is past i must submit and yet perhaps you may be bit i but transcribe for not a line of all the satire shall be mine Compelled by you to tag in rhymes, the common slanders of the times, of modern times the guilt is yours, and me my innocence secures. Unwilling muse, begin thy lay, the annals of a female day. By nature turned to play the rake well, as we shall show you in the sequel, the modern dame is waked by noon, some authors say not quite so soon. Because, though sore against her will, she sat all night up at quadrille, she stretches, gapes, unglues her eyes, and asks if it be time to rise, of headache and the spleen complains, and then to cool her heated brains, her nightgown and her slippers brought her, takes a large dram of citron water, then to her glass, and, Betty, pray, don't I look frightfully to-day, but was it not confounded hard, well, if I ever touch a card, four matadors and lose codile depend upon't i never will but run to tom and bid him fix the ladies here to-night by six madame the goldsmith waits below he says his business is to know if you'll redeem the silver cup he keeps in pawn why show him up your dressing-plate he'll be content to take for interest cent per cent and madame there's my lady spade has sent this letter by her maid well, I remember what she won, and has she sent so soon to done? Here, carry down these ten pistoles, my husband left to pay for coals. I thank my stars they all are light, and I may have revenge to-night. Now loitering o'er her tea and cream, she enters on her usual theme. Her last night's ill success repeats, calls Lady Spade a hundred cheats. She slipped spadillo in her breast, then thought to turn it to a jest. There's Mrs. Cut and she combine, and to each other give the sign. Through every game pursues her tale, like hunters o'er their evening ale. Now to another scene give place, enter the folks with silks and lace. Fresh matter for a world of chat, write Indian this, write Mechlin that. Observe this pattern, there's a stuff, I can have customers enough. Dear madam, you are grown so hard, this lace is worth twelve pounds a yard. Madam, if there be truth in man, I never sold so cheap a fan. This business of importance o'er, and madam almost dressed by four, the footman, in his usual phrase, comes up with, Madam, dinner stays. 
She answers in her usual style, The cook must keep it back a while, I never can have time to dress, No woman breathing takes up less, I'm hurried so it makes me sick, I wish the dinner at old Nick. At table now she acts her part, As all the dinner can't by heart. I thought we were to dine alone, my dear, for sure, if I had known, this company would come to-day, but really tis my spouse's way. He's so unkind, he never sends, to tell when he invites his friends. I wish he may but have enough. And while with all this paltry stuff, she sits tormenting every guest, nor gives her tongue one moment's rest. In phrases battered, stale, and trite, which modern ladies call polite, you see the booby husband sit in admiration at her wit. But let me now a while serve ye our madam o'er her evening tea, surrounded with her noisy clans of prudes, coquettes, and harridans, when frighted at the clamorous crew, away the god of silence flew, and fair discretion left the place, and modesty with blushing face, now enters overweening pride, and scandal ever gaping wide, hypocrisy with frown severe, scurrility with jibing air, rude laughter seeming like to burst, and malice always judging worst and vanity with pocket-glass, and impudence with front of brass, and studied affectation came, each limb and feature out of frame, while ignorance with brain of lead flew hovering o'er each female head. Why should I ask of thee, my muse, a hundred tongues as poets use, when to give every dame her due a hundred thousand were too few? Or how should I, alas, relate the sum of all their senseless prate, their innuendos, hints, and slanders, their meanings lewd and double entendres. Now come the general scandal charge, what some invent the rest enlarge. And, madam, if it be a lie, you have the tale as cheap as I, I must conceal my author's name, but now tis known to common fame. Say, foolish females, bold and blind, say by what fatal turn of mind are you on vices most severe, wherein yourselves have greatest share? Thus every fool herself deludes, the prude condemns the absent prudes. Mopsa, who stinks her spouse to death, accuses Chloe's tainted breath. Her kin a rank with sweat presumes to censure Phyllis for perfumes, while crooked Cynthia sneering says that Florimel wears iron stays. Chloe, of every coxcomb jealous, admires how girls can talk with fellows, and full of indignation frets that women should be such coquettes. Iris, for scandal most notorious, cries, Lord, the world is so censorious! And Rufa, with her combs of lead, whispers that Sappho's hair is red. Ora, whose tongue you hear a mile hence, talks half a day in praise of silence. And Sylvia, full of inward guilt, calls Amoret an arrant jilt. Now voices over voices rise, while each to be the loudest vies. They contradict a firm dispute, no single tongue one moment mute. All mad to speak and none to hearken, they set the very lapdog barking. Their chattering makes a louder din than fishwives o'er a cup of gin. Not schoolboys at a barring out raised ever such incessant rout. The jumbling particles of matter in chaos made not such a clatter, far less the rabble roar and rail when drunk with sour election ale. Nor do they trust their tongues alone, but speak a language of their own, can read a nod, a shrug, a look, far better than a printed book convey a libel in a frown, and wink a reputation down, or by the tossing of the fan describe the lady and the man, but see the female club disbands, each twenty visits on her hands. Now all alone poor madam sits, in vapours and hysteric fits. It was not Tom this morning sent, I'd lay my life he never went, past six and not a living soul, I might by this have won a vole. 
A dreadful interval of spleen, How shall we pass the time between? Here, Betty, let me take my drops, And feel my pulse, I know it stops. This head of mine, Lord, how it swims, And such a pain in all my limbs. Dear madam, try to take a nap, But now they hear a footman's rap. Go, run and light the ladies up, It must be one before we sup. The table, cards, and counters set, And all the gamester ladies met, Her spleen and fits recovered quite, Our madam can sit up all night. Whoever comes, I'm not within, Quadrilles the word, and so begin. How can the muse her aid impart, Unskilled in all the terms of art, Or in harmonious numbers put, The deal, the shuffle, and the cut? The superstitious whims relate, That fill a female gamester's pate. What agony of soul she feels, To see a knave's inverted heels, she draws up card by card to find good fortune peeping from behind with panting heart and earnest eyes in hope to see spadillo rise in vain alas her hope is fed she draws an ace and sees it red and ready counters never pays but pawns her snuff-box rings in case ever with some new fancy struck tries twenty charms to mend her luck this morning when the parson came i said i should not win a game this odious chair how came i stuck in't i think i never had good luck in't I'm so uneasy in my stays. Your fan a moment, if you please. Stand farther, girl, or get you gone. I always lose when you look on. Lord, madam, you've lost Cadil. I never saw you play so ill. Nay, madam, give me leave to say, Twas you that threw the game away. When Lady Trixie played afore, You took it with a matador. I saw you touch your wedding ring Before my lady called a king. You spoke a word, began with H, And I know whom you meant to teach. Because you held the king of hearts, Fie, madam, leave these little arts. That's not so bad as one that rubs Her chair to call the king of clubs, And makes her partner understand A matador is in her hand. Madame, you have no cause to flounce, I swear I saw you thrice renounce. And truly, madam, I know when, instead of five, you scored me ten. Spadillo here has got a mark, a child may know it in the dark. I guess the hand, it seldom fails, I wish some folk would pare their nails. While thus they rail and scold and storm, it passes but for common form. But conscious that they all speak true, and give each other but their due, it never interrupts the game or makes them sensible of shame. The time too precious now to waste, the supper gobbled up in haste, again afresh to cards they run, as if they had but just begun. But I shall not again repeat how oft they squabble, snarl, and cheat. At last they hear the watchman knock, A frosty morn past four o'clock. The chairmen are not to be found, come let us play the other round. Now all in haste they huddle on, their hoods, their cloaks, and get them gone. But first the winner must invite the company to-morrow night. Unlucky madam, left in tears, who now again quadrille forswears, with empty purse and aching head, steals to her sleeping spouse to bed. End of section 69